Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Diner Talks with James. I'm James. Super excited to have you on here today. Tonight's guest, the one and only Daryl Bellamy. I'm super excited for you to meet him. He's a vibrant character with a bunch of stories and even more drive. Uh, But before that, you already know what we do out here. Tonight's top three, top three. (laughs) As always, if you want to contribute, if you would like to to contribute to the show next week, let me know what you want me to do a top three about. If you want, throw it in the comments right now. If you have a category that you want me to rank, if you want to hear my opinion, let me know right now in those comments. I would love to rank what you think I should rank. All right, my friends, tonight's top three. First off, here we go. The top three pieces of advice I've been given after I needed it. All right, here we go. First off, my golf coach, my golf coach when I was uh, when I was on the golf team in high school, he watched me hook a ball into the water on the left. My father gave me his hook, so I hit all the balls to the left. I hooked the ball on the left, and my coach came up to me and said, I think you should have aimed more to the right. Oh, wow. Thanks, coach. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, number two, my doctor telling me maybe I should try exercising. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks so much. And the uh, and the number one uh, piece of advice that I've been given recently uh, that was a little bit too late is Donald Trump saying, hey, maybe you should wear a mask. Okay, thanks, Donnie boy. Real helpful. Welcome to the party, brother. All right, up next, my guest tonight, Daryl Bellamy, is from North Carolina. I don't know if he's born and raised in North Carolina. I think he is. Um, but uh, but I went to school in North Carolina, spent seven years in the South. You took a New Yorker, you planted him in the South. And these are the top three phrases that I picked up while living in North Carolina. First off, all y'all. Sounds a little redundant. It's kind of like the redundancy department of redundancy. But it's, it's y'all isn't good enough. All y'all is like, like literally like the whole group. It's not just like, like you four over here, right? Or as we say in New York, use twos, use threes, right? No, all y'all. So there we go. Very inclusive term. It's a little ridiculous, but I now say it. But the whole time I was in the South, I never said y'all once. But as soon as I left, I started saying it all the time. I don't know. All right, next. I had a buddy of mine. His name is James. He was a long snapper for a football team. And James used to, he used to say all the time, instead of hell yes, he would say, yes, hell. And that just makes me crack up. So now me and my mom, whenever we're together, we say, yes, hell. Uh, And that's just a good one. And the third and maybe most important thing that I learned, phrase that I picked up in North Carolina is barbecue. My friends, I'm from New York. When you say we're going to barbecue in New York, I'm picturing sausage and peppers, all right? Maybe a little hamburger, a hot dog, all right? You want your buns toasted or not? You know what I'm saying? We're getting kosher dills over here. You say barbecue in the South, my friends. And that's where I found my religion. Shout out to barbecue. Uh, But I don't love North Carolina-style barbecue. I'm still more of a ketchup-based barbecue sauce. Shout out to KC in the building, St. Louis, those kind of places. Last thing, top three, top three. Daryl Bellamy. 
is a fear researcher. That's paranoia inducing, but he is a fear researcher. Um, and so I decided to rank my top three irrational fears. These are my top three irrational fears. Uh, I often talk about my emotional fears. I'm sure those will come up later because it's fun to cry. Uh, but no, these are just ridiculous things. Okay. First off, every single chair that I sit down in, I am afraid is going to explode. It's just it's just a big man thing, y'all. It's a big man thing. I think every chair is about to explode before I sit down. Next, the next thing I'm absolutely petrified is of ice. And that's humorous because I just moved to Minnesota, but I am paranoid about ice. I have terrible knees. I've dislocated my knee walking on ice before. I've hurt my back walking on ice. I now am a champion penguin walker, even with those little crampon things. And my top irrational fear that I have my top irrational fear that I have is butterflies. My friends, they're very erratic. Okay, I don't know where they're going. I don't know if they're flying over here, over there. I don't know what's going on. Again, I could probably break it with a hard breath. I don't know what's happening with butterflies. Moths are the same thing, only they just keep pelting the light, so I feel like I can avoid them. The butterflies, I don't know where you're going. I see why you're beautiful, but you're a little sketchy in my book. My friends, that's tonight's top three. Top three. Let's jump into the show. Tonight's guest, my friend, Daryl Bellamy. Gentleman coming out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, an incredible man who I've had the privilege of knowing for a number of years. I think we're going on five or six years now. I think he'll correct me with that. But he is an exceptional speaker. As I mentioned before, he is a fear researcher. He has decided to spend his life dedicated to fear. Why we have fears how our fears manifest themselves, and then how we can also push past them to live a more fearless life. He's also an author. He's written at least one book. I know he's cooking up another one as we speak. And he's just an incredible human being who is vibrant and has more drive than anyone I know. Y'all clap it out right now for the man, the myth, not the legend, because he's right here, Daryl Bellamy. What up, James? <laughs> What's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, man. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> I forgot what day it is Happy already. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Happy Diner Talks Day. Happy uh, Diner Talks Day. <laughs> <laughs> good to see you, brother. How are things going down in Charlotte, man? It's good. Weather's good. It's warm. I guess hot sometimes, but you know, Charlotte. Charlotte's good. I think. I think our cases are going. Oh, all the cases are going up. So I can't even talk about Corona. Yeah. We yeah. we doing all right. We doing all right. We good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, man. So here's the thing, down in Charlotte, y'all don't really have diners per se. Okay. But you know, we got Waffle Houses. We have uh, yeah, Midnight Diner. Midnight Diner's pretty Midnight, dope. Midnight Diner's spot. Midnight? I've not yeah, been to yeah, Midnight Diner. No, gotta try. That's dope. Um, what is your favorite late night eatery spot, and what do you usually get? Are you a Waffle okay. House guy? Or are you a what do you, nah, so, okay, so let me let me tell you about Waffle House. So I tried Waffle House three times, didn't like it. The second time I went to Waffle House, I was sitting at my like chair, sitting there like eating, and I looked behind, you know, the door that goes to the back. Yes. And there was a lady looking at me smoking a cigarette. So I knew that that wasn't a place for me at that point. So, so Waffle House isn't my place. Um, but my favorite late night spot is Midnight Diner, hands down. What I get is uh, a half a chicken dark fried. Macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, and their grits. 
and I'm a cheese grits person, but literally at Midnight Diner, you don't even need cheese in it. So I just get I just get like grits as a side item to my food. You, so you don't need cheese because they got like that much butter in them, or like they're just think, that, so, they just put they flag they actually put flavor in their grits. Yeah, so I asked them, and the secret to really, really good grits is uh, heavy whipping cream. So mm. that's what I learned. That's what I learned was the heavy whipping cream was where it was at. So, okay. yeah. There you go. I haven't told you this, but I've said it on the show before, but just to keep my guests rolling their eyes, um, uh, when I first moved to the South, I didn't know what grits were. I mean, I knew they were a thing, but I'd never had them before. Um, mm-hmm. And so to uh, when I went to Waffle House, what I used to do is I used to take the strawberry jelly packets and I used to put those in the grits and uh, yeah, your facial expression is about perfect. <laughs> so, so when did you make the transfer to like actually like stop doing that and learn what actually grits were? What was that transition like? Yeah, so I still I still love I, I only my favorite kind of grits are sweet grits. I'm a sweet uh, over savory kind of guy right. anyway. Okay. So I, so I put a lot of sugar in my grits and I enjoy that sugar and butter. Uh, but uh, I can I can get down with some cheese grits and I can get down with like like shrimp and grits is is obviously iconic. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't need those grits to be sweet, but yeah, that's that's when I first started getting down with some grits. So down with that, that's good. You 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 saved yourself with the shrimp and grits, but that whole like jelly thing that don't work for the south. <laughs> <laughs> Are you born? Did I get it right? Are you born in North Carolina, man? No, I was born in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, uh, the seven other years in, yeah, seven seven years in Philadelphia. First seven years of my life. Five years was my middle school years in Chicago. Yeah. Um, end of middle school and all of high school in Raleigh, North Carolina, and then college at UNC Charlotte. And I haven't left since. There you go. If it ain't broke. I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte's just a dope town. If they're it putting is. a lot of work into it. It's growing uh, incredibly. The banking scene down there, obviously pumping money into it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, great new great new uh, minor league ballpark, too, downtown. Yep. So you For know sure. your city, James. You know your cities. Well, we out here. We out here. <laughs> So, uh, so this is cool, Daryl, because you went to UNC Charlotte, as you mentioned, and then yeah. you came out of UNC Charlotte and you worked in what, what what field did you work in for a little while? Yo, I worked in banking. So I worked at Wells Fargo yep. for like four months, worked at TIAA CREF, which is like retirement. So I got my Series 663 financial licenses, all that stuff. <laughs> then I went, I was just trying to make it out. So it's funny because when I was at Wells Fargo, I was telling everybody, y'all, I'm not going to be here long. Right. And I was there for four months and I was out of there. <laughs> After TIAA Crest, I was at a consulting company for about three years. So yeah. that was my journey. Um, but after I graduated from college, James, I didn't take a job right out of college. I tried to start a business called College Concierge. And the goal of that was to get freshman students on campus, like food before like Uber Eats was out, like um, all these different services, leadership development. I needed 100 parents to sign up. I got one parent to sign up. So I go get a job. So that's where Wells Fargo um, happened. <laughs> So you've had you've had the entrepreneurial spirit within you for some yes. time. Did you yes. know? I mean, what was it? What was it that attracted you to banking initially and finance? Uh, what was it? I was a business major and I was banking city. So mm-hmm. I always loved business. And I guess banking was just the way to go at that point. But literally when the when college concierge failed, James, I literally that was I was applying. I went to uh, I think it was an agency at that point just to get a job. And that was yeah. the first job I went to. Um, and based on what Charlotte is, that was the easiest way to go at that point. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't open anything in business. 
That's crazy. What was it like to have that moment of failure so young, right? Like you're like young buck coming out of college. You can take over the world, right? That invincibility of a, of a college student. Right. Um, and yeah. then, and then to literally get like Dikembe Mutombo straight out the gate. <laughs> so what, what that's, like? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, so getting out of college uh, at that point, I remember when I was doing college concierge, for two, three weeks, I was living on a Lime Brothers couch, right, trying to get it going. Literally everything that I owned could fit in my focus at the time. So that was crazy, right? The <laughs> um, college concierge didn't work out. I was on a friend's, another friend's couch for about four to five months. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I always understood instinctually because even from middle school, James, like I was reading like business books, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective teens so I always kind of understood that failure was a part of the process so I was kind of already prepared for it and honestly even though I didn't know I was going to be a speaker I always knew the power of a story so I kind of wanted that type of like living on a couch type of feel I wanted I was kind of happy that happened to me because I knew I would have a story for it later on so that's weird how I kind of knew years in advance that I'll be able to tell the story and it would benefit me in some way but yeah it was like I, I didn't really fret that much because I knew it was a part of the journey yeah that's uh, that's incredible that you were able to, I don't know, I guess have the wherewithal. I mean, obviously, yeah, reading those books, all those books tell you that you're going to fail before you win. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so I get it. But there's a difference between knowing failure is going to happen and actively failing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That there's that pride piece, right? Of like, yo, you mind if I stay another month on this couch? Uh, yo, you yeah. mind, right? Like, and I know your friends hold you down, um, and they got your back, but uh, but still, um, but still, it is. Uh, I don't know. There's that tough piece of that pride get punk gets punched. Yeah, um, I felt it a little bit, but I'm trying to see how I really, really felt. Um, I've just, I, I've. Maybe it's a confidence thing, man. I've yeah. always, I've always believed in the journey, and knew that the journey would. I, I have, I say this a lot. I have an instinctual belief that everything always works out for the good, mm-hmm. like no matter what it is. Yeah. So I guess at that point, it, it did hurt because it's a. I, I think it is kind of like an ego punch because literally, like I had signs up around UNC Charles campus. I had credit card debt because I was taking out like ads in different school newspapers, like. All my friends knew about it. I was tweeting about it. So it was a little gut, but I just, yeah, it was a little gut punch, but I knew it was a part of the process. Yeah. 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 But actively failing does feel better. I mean, does does feel different because you know that you can fail, but when you feel it and it actually happens, then you have to be able to move on and go from there. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. This is it. <laughs> I'm currently failing. Uh, yeah, that's such a tough place. So then you so then you land this job. Uh, you land this job at Wells Fargo. You're yeah. there for four months. I'm not going to be here long. Yeah. Uh, TIA Craft, shout out to them. I think I still have an account with them. You probably um, do. And, uh, you know, we have education. That's the way it goes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, uh, and then, you went, then you went into the consulting field. Yes. And uh, and you have the charisma to crush the charisma and the brain and the drive and the business know how to crush a consulting job. Um, but that wasn't it for you. What happened there? OK, uh, so I was in the consulting job going well, had a house, had a car, things going well. But um, I knew that that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. I think we're all in different places in our life, different people who are watching right now, whoever listening on live, like we have different parts in our life where you could achieve a certain level of success. And you're like, I like this, but this isn't 
it. Yeah. So I felt that. And the thing is, is, a lot of us are in that point where we, we know that this isn't it, but we don't know what that next step is for us. So for me, a lot of the books I was reading at that time said, in order to be successful, you need either a coach or a mentor. I didn't have either. So literally what I did was I filed the books. I went to Google, true story, and typed in life coaches in Charlotte. <laughs> lady popped up and I literally met with her at a Panera. And while speaking with her at a Panera, she's like, Daryl, what are you interested in? I'm like, I might be interested in real estate, different owning my own business. I might be interested in speaking to students. So literally at the midway through the, through the conversation, she says, Daryl, like your face lit up when you said something about speaking to students. Tell me more about that. So as, he taught, as we talked more about that, she said, hey, this weekend we have something called the National Speakers Association meeting in Charlotte. You want to come out? I went there, James, went to that meeting. I'm in that room. First time ever really. I knew that people got paid to speak and share their message and all the other good stuff, but I'm in that room. At that point, I was the youngest person in the room at the time. Yep, I'm and sure. I was maybe, maybe one of four to five people of color in the room. Okay. That's more than I would have guessed. <laughs> and I said to myself, there's an avenue here for me. Yeah. So it was at that moment where I said, you know, I'm going to quit my job within one year. And that process was saving up the money and going from there. But, yo, I was coaching with um, my coach throughout that year. But it was literally knowing that I couldn't get to my next level by myself, mm -hmm. uh, typing that thing in Google, finding that person. And it was it was history from there, man. Wow. That's all. Shout out to that Panera. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, this uh, Diner Talks is actually sponsored by Panera. So that worked out really well. We um, need that sponsorship, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's incredible, man, that this and it's so awesome. This is why coaches are so cool, right? Because coaches are looking for the nuances. They're not just like, all right, I'll ask a question, you answer, ask it, right? It's like, it's like, what? When does the light bulb turn on? When do you start to stutter? When do you start to get excited? When do you start to, or when do your, when does your tone change? When you're like, well, I guess I'll go, yeah. you know, find <laughs> another job, right? Like, you know, the it's that it's that emotional intelligence of great coaches um, that's amazing. And so for you. For you, it was like, I'm going to go into speaking. And now you did exactly what I would recommend literally no one to do. Um, right. and, you said, and you said, you know what? I have not got one speaking gig on the calendar. I think I got, I think I picked my brand out. I got my, I got my color orange. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit my job <laughs> and then uh. <laughs> I'm make it work. Right. Yeah. I remember, I remember that moment cause you and I talked uh, a fair amount during that time. Um, yeah. and I remember being actively scared for you um, but <laughs> at the same time, equally as impressed. Right. Uh -huh. um, because I mean, you know this now that you've been in the game for quite some time. How many yeah. people come up to us and say, oh, I could be a speaker. Yo, I want to be a speaker. Oh, and, yeah. you know, three, four <laughs> years later, we know we haven't seen we haven't seen or heard from them. Right. Yeah. You're the exact opposite. Uh, yeah. I've done more than seen or hear from you. Uh, I look up to you in many ways. Right. And just and, and uh, it's really incredible. Uh, it's incredible to watch you shine. But in that moment, in that moment of like, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to chase this new thing. What's going through your head in that time? Um, I think a lot about legacy. Um, I think a lot about just living a full life. And it's that simple. Um, I just, I've always believed that I was made to be great. <laughs> and to do great things. And yeah. be 
And if if you truly believe, and a lot of people they say that, but I don't think they've actually literally took taken the time to really like internalize what greatness takes, you know. And personally, to be honest, I don't even think that I fully, you know, totally internalize it because I will be taking even bigger risks now and doing more things, right? So I think I think there's stages, but for me, when I when I made that choice, I realized that like in order to, oh no 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 no, let me switch that. I agree with that. But the first thing I wrote, no, no, that wasn't my answer. My real answer is this. Oh, oh, what I realized is that. Who wants to be a millionaire, Daryl? Yeah, no, I thought about it and I was like, here's the real answer. That was good though. That, I, I do believe what I just said. But what I really want to say is. Still tweet that, still tweet I was, that. I was, I was 22 at the time, whatever. And I realized that I wasn't in a relationship at the time. I wasn't married, I didn't have any kids. I realized I was young and I realized that I could eat off of like ramen noodles or whatever. Like I could. I had the leeway to fail and still be able to rebound at that point in my life. So I knew that there was going to be a time where I would have a wife, I would have responsibilities or whatever, and it wouldn't be as easy for me to jump. So therefore I was trying to just get out there as fast as I could so I could fail. So therefore um, I could be able to move forward. That's the real, that's the real reason why I jumped when I did, because I knew that time in that sense was limited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a similar thing happened to me when I first started my speaking career was as well as I, I was in a relationship. Um, okay. We were not, uh, we were, uh, we were planned, planned on getting engaged. And that was, that was coming up in the future. Um, yeah. But it was like, I don't have kids. Like this is my time to, this is my time to fail. This is my time yeah. to try. Like I have a backup plan. I can go back into working. In my case, it was higher education. I liked working in higher ed. So that wasn't the worst backup plan, but it was yeah. like, but this is the time because I know it's going to be harder to try. And I admire people who, who take these risks when they have kids, right? Like, I mean, what a, what a bold move. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. it's still necessary um, for sure uh, because you don't want to live the life with regret. But still, uh, but at that time, it was, it was a low risk situation, so to speak. It was more of just like my pride on the line. I knew that I was with somebody uh, who would, who would, who would stick with me regardless of what happened. Uh, And, uh, but yeah, but still it's just, it's, it's super, it's super scary, but to know that the fall is a little bit less far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes just enough to strap those wings on. Yeah. What was your, um, I have a question. What was your, did you have any major, like, or how did you get into the whole speaking thing? Like what was your, what was your, any, any major failures or anything that happened in that beginning of your process? So as far as when I start getting, I mean, when I first got in, I spoke for free for a really long time because I, I, you know, initially, initially I wasn't set out to be a speaker. I was working in higher education and, uh, and I had uh, the opportunity to take students to conferences and stuff like that. And at those conferences, they, they accepted call for uh, proposals or programs or whatnot. And so you could submit and I was an advisor. I was like, well, I might as well like submit a program because I, yeah. I like attention. Um, <laughs> and, and also I think I got some ideas that I might be able to pass on to other students. So why not? And I did that for a number of conferences and somebody came up to me after one of them and was like, Hey, this may be a little bit rude, but you know, I was just in your last session and I'm wondering how much do you charge? Because we'd love to have you come to our campus and share that message with our students. Um, and I was like, I was like, you can buy me lunch if you'd like. Um, but and, and the truth is, is, I spoke for free for almost two or three years after that because I didn't think I was good enough. Mm. Right? Like I didn't think you – know, I also just didn't think that people like me 
uh, got paid to speak, as in people with a lot of privilege who came, who did not come from the bottom, and now they're here, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. I, I didn't have some crazy dramatic story. I didn't kill friends in a drunk driving accident, any of that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, and so for me, I was like, well, I don't even deserve to be paid. Um, so it wasn't until a little bit later that, you know, that I started to build that confidence. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's a huge misconception is that you need that crazy story or, you know, that, that life changing, like sometimes just who you are is enough. And mm -hmm. I'll end it there. Who you are is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that for sure. Uh, and so here's the thing that I love about you, brother, is that you knew from the jump uh, that fear was going to be a topic that you were going to talk about. Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting because the confidence in which you speak uh, is a lot of times speakers, a lot of times speakers wind up sharing with audiences messages they needed to hear themselves as speakers. All right. Or uh, like for me, I share messages with audiences that I wish other people were like, were authentic and vulnerable with me because yeah. then I probably wouldn't have as many trust issues. I would have a higher self-esteem and things like that. And so yeah. like, you know, like some of those are the things that's the reason why that kind of like the darker, deeper reason why I think I got into why I thought this mattered. Um, and so for you, you know, and just hearing the way that you talk, um, like you come out with confidence yeah. Um, and so you choose the topic of fear. You wear a shirt that says fearless in some ways, in some ways, I mean, I, I, I hope to please don't hear this in a negative way, but in some ways it's kind of intimidating, right? Especially for someone who does have fear. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about butterflies, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, for someone who does have insecurities and things like that. But I'd be curious, how did you pick the topic of fear? That's a, uh, that's good. Um, how did I pick the topic? So, when I decided I wanted to speak to students, um, when I decided I wanted to speak, I chose students because at the NSA meeting that I was at, they said that if you're expert in something, you get you have more credibility. And the only thing I was expert in at 22 was going to college and doing a good job of that. So I looked and said, hey, what were the three big lessons I learned when I was in college and that students could be successful? Number one was, hey, uh, plan early from the start, plan your trajectory and what you want to do. The second thing was the importance of relationships in college and how those relationships, when I got out of college, it helped me to double my salary based on relationships from being involved. Yeah. And the third thing was pushing through fear. So one of the stories I share in my keynotes or during my talks is I ran for student body vice president in college. I had a lot of fear when it came to running for that office. I decided to push through that fear and run and I lost by 19 votes in the closest election in school history. So my keynote used to literally be about those three topics. What happened was I spoke at, I think it was my alma mater, probably for free. And during one of those talks, James, I gave out note cards and I asked them to write down what their fear was. It used to be like, what is your fear? And at that point, I didn't, I didn't read them out loud. I would just take them home. So I took them home, read them on my couch and stuff. It was, it was like, damn, this stuff is deep. Like, this is what people, like, this is what people are keeping in their head. And what I realized is that what a lot of people were keeping in their head was the same stuff that I was keeping in my head. So um, what I used to do was I used to take the fears and I used to burn them in my backyard and send a video to the school and burning them. And this is why the power of coaching comes in. Mm. I sat down with my coach after I burned two, two of the schools I went to after I burned their fears. And she said, Daryl, how about you not burn the fears anymore? And you collect them, you keep that data and you become an expert on millennial or student fear. And you take that data and that's how you do it. And from that moment on, I never burned another fear. 
Um, so it was probably that conversation where I kind of like doubled down on it. Um, and I don't, know if, I don't know if this was a part of your question, but the reason why I enjoy talking about this topic more than ever is because I'm scared of stuff all the time. And honestly, it's it's the it's the fearless stories, it's the fearless band, it's it's my audience that sometimes when I get these text messages, because I give all I give every audience like my actual cell phone number. So I get messages and text messages all the time, right? So when I see when I'm having those hard days, when I'm trying to think about, so I have a hundred band giveaway that I want to do, and I have a book that I want to write, and I wanna I wanna do more stuff on Instagram Live and stuff like that. So when I'm having those fears, that anxiety about those type of things, and I get that message from a student who say, like, yo, your message helped me in this way, yo. I have no choice but to push through and kind of push you that in some way. And also, when you wear freaking fearless on your chest, like you have no choice but to in your life, like push through things and to represent that because there's no way in hell I'm getting on stage and not feeling like I'm living this in some way or another. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. But here's one thing I know you also talk about is that fearless fearlessness is a process. Yes. We don't, we don't just like be like, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. All right. I'm not going to fail. Right. Like, and whatnot. So for you, I'd be curious in your research, in your research, what are, what are some of the most surprising stats or facts about fears that have come up for you? Like what are the things that like caught you off guard that you didn't anticipate? Um, so I used to ask, what do you fear? And I would get stuff like spiders, heights, mm-hmm. your mama, depending on how old they were, right? <laughs> so what I realized was that for most of us, spiders, heights, and my mom isn't stopping anybody from getting to the next level, right? It's usually something deeper, more internal. So then I changed the question to um, finish the statement, I fear that. So you start with, I fear that. And you write, what is that thing that's stopping you from getting to whatever that next level is for you? So I would still think that I would get some of those like off the wall stuff. I don't get much of that anymore, but the biggest category. So the biggest category used to be, and you've mentioned it a few times throughout our time here today is the fear of failure. Right. Mm-hmm. And as I started playing with the, the biggest fear categories of fear of failure, failure comes up over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, as I re like put the data in uh, my boy, Siv, um, as we reanalyze the data, we use, I think as, I forgot the software we use. Um, but the number one fear category now is the fear of not being enough. <laughs> so it's not surprising, but um, for me, it gets me sad sometimes, but it's like, it's amazing how much um, the fear of confidence stops us from getting to the next level. It's amazing how much our belief about what we believe about ourselves stops us so often before anything else does. So what I'm, what I'm focused on now is how can we help people get that foundational confidence? I know you do that as a coach in other areas as well, but um, that foundational confidence is huge. Um, if you're able to get that up, if you're able to really take some time to evaluate those past experiences, experiences that have happened in your life that has gotten you to where you are, that, that gives you the beliefs that you believe now and being able to change those beliefs, it's yeah. a game changer. Game changer. Game changer. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely. That's uh, that's fascinating. Um, uh, that concept of enough is actually enough. Uh, enough. Smart some, enough. Whatever enough. Yeah. 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 That's something you, you know that I talk about that all the time uh, as well in, in my conversations as well. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, that's it's, it's validating that that keeps coming up. <laughs> yeah. And, it, uh, and, it, sure. and it's not not enough. Failure. Judgment and rejection, number three. Um, fear of the future is number four. 
um, and five is just like the other category. And the great thing about the data is it changes all the time, right? So I'm excited to see as we get through COVID, as we get through um, the Black Lives Matter move, every everything that we're currently processing in our time, how that data changes. Yeah. Um, and what, and what it shows about us as a collective society. Yeah, especially for who you most often poll. I know you do work with adults as yeah. well and, and corporate and whatnot, but I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, your you're, you're majority of your audience is still college-based. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be fascinating. I mean, a, a generation or a time in uh, a short span of, of, of society that is constantly shifting yeah. um, and is really uh, susceptible to trends. Here's what's um, crazy is when I've done adults, the categories are very, very similar. Yes. <laughs> they might use different words, but we still deal with the same shit. Like it just gets oh, it is the worst changes, but it still it still comes down to what you believe about yourself. So yeah. if you can change that, if you if you can get over like those thoughts in your head, then like you can literally like surpass so many people. It's it's so crazy. It's crazy. Go ahead. It's crazy. It is crazy, man. It's and crazy. so for you, for you as you combine this research uh, with your with your work ethic, I'd be curious. You know, I mean, you have such a uh, outwardly, you have such a, a strong sense of confidence. Um, and, and like you said, you got to I got to live this fear. If I'm a rock, this, I got to live this, uh, and whatnot. What do those days look like where you're like, maybe I, maybe I'm not going to wear the sweatshirt today. Maybe I'm just going to pop on a Nike hoodie real quick. Yeah. What are some of those days look like for you? What are those moments where it's like, I don't, I don't know if today is a fearless day. I want it to be, but I don't know if it, I don't know if today is that. That was this morning. <laughs> so this morning I woke up like, oh, like I think those days happen where there's so many things that have to get done where you don't know where to start. Yeah, That's one of those days. Another day would be like where you're talking to someone who inspires you and they're doing so much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, so I have a call with a friend every morning. And before I even got on the phone with him, I think the night before I was either looking at a video or something, I was like, wow, someone was killing it. And I was like, I need to do more. You know, that kind of compares. Like, I need to do more, I need to do, you know, I just, I feel like I always need to be making some sort of progress. Or sometimes you just need to kind of like just chill and take a deep breath. Yeah. But yo, I, I, I have those days too. And what happened, what, what changed that day around was that 10 o'clock call this morning, I got a chance to get on the phone with a friend. We start with every single morning, what we're thankful for, mm-hmm. what we accomplished that day, what we plan on getting done that day. Um, and then <laughs> the secret, I have a few secrets to, to get me out of any funk that is one is caffeine. <laughs> That's the like, you know, like, like, what is that coffee? What, what is what's that caffeine yeah. that gets me there? The second thing is like, I know the three or four people in my life that I can call that can literally bring me out of that, um, in an instant level. Um, and third is like some sort of exercise. So I went and I literally did a 5k this morning. Um, so what I say to the audience, those people who are listening is like, just like, you know, those things that kind of can make you sad. You also know those things that get you hype and get you going, but oftentimes we don't pay attention to those moments and we just let them pass. But anytime I'm like at a high and I'm like, feel like I'm in flow, I try to take a moment to figure out, yo, what got me here? Did I just get off the phone with James? Did I just get an interview? Did I get a podcast interview? Did I just work out? And then I'm able to duplicate that moment in those moments where I'm like, like this morning, I'm like, if I didn't have that 10 o'clock call, I would have literally sat in bed and like watched CNN all day, which is not good for anybody's health. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. I feel like I had one of those days today as well. Maybe I'm kind of having that. I would say the last couple of days have been like that for me, um, where there's so much that is uncertain in our business in the next, you know, few months. Um, and just as like, you know, what's going to happen? And are colleges going to be open? Do colleges have money to bring in speakers? Do they? Do companies want to bring in speakers? And what does it all, you know, what does it all look like? And uh, and so there's those moments where it's like, what's happening right now, right? And like 
my uh, Tina and I just bought a house and there's nothing like buying a house when your financial future is uncertain um, and uh, and right and just like big life happenings and so uh, I have definitely like felt in a funk and like so today uh, today I did not run a 5k um, uh, but today I today I crushed a nap um, in the middle of the day and that's that's what I needed to do today. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I tried to wake up with not as much regret. <laughs> I think I yeah. did okay. Um, but, like, I, I think that the, I definitely have those moments. I'm a workaholic. Um, I'm a workaholic. But when uh, – but during those moments where, like you said, where, like, there's just so much I could do, um, it's like what should I do? What makes sense to do? What is, like it's, – it's almost like I get uh, I get that paralysis yeah. of like I could move in any direction right now. Any of them could be right, um, but instead I'm not going to move, um, and I'm just I'm I'm gonna close these eyelids for for a minute and just see if I wake up with an answer. Uh, turns out I never wake up with an answer, <laughs> but, that, but that nap still feels good in the moment. I'm a, I can take a nap too. I feel you. I yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of what I've noticed for me, uh, in that, in that path of fearlessness, but at the same time, like, especially during these weird times, it is about trying, it is about doubling down on, on your network. It is about, uh, getting creative and trying to come up with other streams of income and stuff like that. I know, I know one thing you were telling me earlier, I don't know, um, is that you got some projects that you're working on, man? Can you yeah. can you tell us about? I don't know. I don't know what's public and what's not, so I'm just gonna keep yeah. it vague and then let's see what you where you go. Oh, um, there's some cool things. Uh, so I've given out. So I have the fearless band that I've given away at least when we were in person, right? Um, to every audience member for free. So there's nothing on the outside of it, but on the inside is inscribed the words "I'm fearless inside." So thousands of people use it as a way to like when I feel fearful, when I feel anxiety, whenever I feel a certain type of way, I touch that band to remember that I'm not in this alone, right? And that in the end of the day, I have the feelings inside of me to push through whatever that next level is. So um, my goal is to it was at least we're still working towards it, you know, give away a hundred thousand by the end of the year. I think I'm at like forty five, forty seven thousand. Okay. Give away a hundred thousand by the end of the year. Um, working on that second book. So about to start tomorrow actually on a twenty one day sprint to see me and my boy Greg, to see how much of our second, or he's on his third book, our se- my second book, to see how far um, we can get through um, with that. I have, um, we're trying to just diversify in general. You know, yeah. usually like most of my income comes from like being on stage or being virtual now and speaking. Um, I think there's there's something powerful about, um, just like the band says, I'm fearless inside, the hoodie says, I'm fearless, and it's, and it's hitting inside the words as well. The goal would be, yo, how can we spread the fearless movement forward? So I have a whole brand when it comes to like clothing now. And a lot of that money that goes towards a brand goes to me, what? Buying more fearless bands and being able to support people in that way. Um, so those are my biggest, like my projects, like the fearless store, getting more bands out, and then trying to figure out this whole virtual environment, man. Like, yeah. it's fun. I'm, I'm, I, I could say that in the beginning, in that, in that March, I was like, oh, do I really want to do this? But it's hard to get me on. It's hard. It's hard to get me in person now. It's like when you say virtual, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. That's amazing. That Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many perks to the virtual uh, environment for sure. Uh, yeah. There's some, there's some cool, some really cool aspects of it. I know I still, uh, I miss the energy. I think one of the things that I miss the most is that feeling of when things are over right now, it's just like leave meeting. And then it's like this, 
weird silence in the apartment. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, it's not even like people shuffling and leaving. It's not yeah. people coming up and talking to you. It's not the advisor being like, hey, great job. Let's yeah. take and you we, to our we, local we, pizza and we, shop. And we do um, look for that. Yeah, we look for that. We we do need that sometimes, right? That good job or to know that message hit. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, instead it's just like the silence and then my AC kicks on. Um, not quite the round of applause I was looking for. Uh, uh, Daryl, uh, I think we should jump into uh, the next segment of the show. Uh, so let's uh, let's do that really quick. Here we go. This segment of the show is called Things You Didn't Need, Things That You Didn't Know About Me But Are Now Glad That You Did. It's still a work in progress, the title of the segment, but, you know, we're getting there. Um, so so I asked you to come up with some random facts about yourself. Uh, okay. And uh, and so uh, so I'll share I'll share a random fact and then I want to hear uh, one from you. OK, sound good. Yeah. In my uh, senior year of high school. I was driving. I was driving my 1987 Civic hatchback, uh, and uh, and I was racing my buddy in his 1967 Cobalt Blue Mustang with a V8. Mind you, my Civic hatchback was all stock, um, and uh, so I was just goofing around with this guy. And I took around. I took it around. I, I jumped into the path, the turning lane uh, to pass him on the left hand side. Came back across. Then I had to make a quick right turn. The turn was a little sharper than I remembered, and I did a seven twenty into a parked car. I was spinning so fast, I hit it twice. It's a hell of a story. Super random. Fortunately, I was okay. Fortunately, uh, my passenger was okay because that would have been a lawsuit. Um, the Honda Civic after that, we called Old One Eye, but it still ran because it's a Honda. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> Is it my turn? Your turn. What you got? All right. So I would – okay. So one of the came up, one thing I thought about was the fact that – and my girlfriend hates this, and, but uh, I literally – so I have a few I have a few debit cards, few credit cards, you know, that I, you know, that I use – and uh, I, I lose all of them every week. So right now my wallet, I only have one. Um, so I'm terrible with cards. So literally, like <laughs> once a week, I'll go through like my car in between the seats, like go through like my laundry, go in my bed. And like, so when I was getting ready, before I got ready for this, like I like picked up my pillow in order to find my AirPods. And literally I found a debit card. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I'm terrible with like putting stuff back um, where they originally were. That's the first one. <laughs> So wait, so you just like, I mean, do you ever lose them? Where like, are you constantly calling the debit card company and be like, yo, I need no. a card? Like not, so it's like you find it within like six hours. I find it within a week, usually a week or two weeks. But I know okay. that I never lose them out. I always like lose them in the, like I'll go, I'll get something from drive through right? And I never, I'm not good with putting it back in the wallet. Or I like put it in the seat. And I do that all the time or like I'll put it, I'll be like ordering something on my bed and like just like put it on the bed and then like it never, you never find it or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I never, I never call because I know that I'm going to find it eventually. And there's something <laughs> I haven't found yet, but uh, I just, no one has ever spent it, so I'm good. <laughs> You're good. It's probably, st- it's probably still under the couch. Um. <laughs> yeah, probably, that's a delightfully random fact about you, yeah. brother. Yeah. I appreciate that one. You're welcome, man. Uh, <clears throat> next for random fact about me, um, a lot of people when they're on airplanes drink ginger ale. And now I like ginger ale. It's the gentleman's soda. Um, but for me, whenever I'm on airplanes, I drink apple juice. 
And I don't know why. It is just a routine for me. I sit down and I drink apple juice. And it is uh, it's just a random fact about it. Do you get ice? I get no ice. As a matter of fact, no ice, no cup. I just ask for the can because okay. then you get because uh, then you get two glasses of apple juice as well. Okay. And in first class, do you do you still do apple juice or do you, do you switch it up? I do. In first class, I do. I do still get apple juice. Uh, you know, shout out to these status and these upgrades. We out yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is also represented. Yeah. Is also sponsored by Delta. Oh, uh, Delta. And and, uh, and by Honda <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> So we got some big, big sponsors this week, uh, Delta, Panera, and Honda. <laughs> right, so here's an interesting fact for me. So when, when I used to travel, and even still now, let's start with which one I used to travel. Um, before I would go to sleep, I would always look in the closet, look underneath my bed, look behind the curtains, just to make sure that there was no one in there. And I still do that now, because in my bed, there's space. So before I go to sleep, I always like, if, if I haven't been home all day, I always check the closet, check underneath my bed, just to make sure there's no one there. So that's what the fear guy does. <laughs> <laughs> that is has that been like a has that been something you've done since you were a child like is that just kind of i don't know it's, it's more like a protectionism so like a protection thing so when i lay my head on the when i lay my head on that on that bed i know that there's no one in that room but me and if someone comes in that room i'm going to hear them <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how long i've been doing that but definitely since i've been traveling and stuff um i just like to know what's in my space and what's yeah. going on for sure. Have you ever had the situation where you're in your hotel room and then somebody else keys in because the because the hotel assigned them to your room? I haven't had that. No, that's weird. It's no, terrifying. So so do they actually key in and actually come through the door? They can like come through the door. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm now I'm a deadbolt user, right? Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, Stacy does that in hotels as well. Um and uh <laughs> there you go. Take, so yeah. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. Now, here's a question: In hotels, do you use the drawers? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> now, if now if I'm there for, I, and I'm never somewhere for a week, but if if I'm somewhere for a week, I would, I would, I would probably use the drawers. Um, mm -hmm. Fun fact: This is not on my list, but fun fact is, when I was younger, I always told my parents that I wanted to live in hotels when I grow up. So it's great that my dreams have come true. <laughs> you're doing it brother i always went to the hotels and i don't necessarily want to do it anymore but like, i'm just saying like when i was younger i wanted to so it's cool that i get to live in hotels now that's amazing oh, back in the day pre-covid pre-co pre shout out pre shout out to pre-covid uh pc and ac um <clears throat> whatever that ac will be uh stacy said somebody key into her room twice that is terrible ac i'm hoping that you're using that dead ball at this point <laughs> <laughs> That's what the weird thing is, is like, like let's say you were in a shower or you were somewhere you didn't hear anyone and you like walk out and you're like, well, well. Yeah. So. This is a crazy thing also. And this is where, I mean, there's a little male, there's, there's male pr privilege in a lot of places. Um, but in travel is one of those places as well where like, I know that if I go to the hotel desk and I say uh, that I'm staying by myself, I just need one room key. Uh, I can give them my name. Like I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But I know a lot of women in our industry uh, will say that I need two keys to imply that they're staying with somebody else. Um, mm. And they're also making sure that like, hey, they also tell the person, don't don't say my room number out loud because there's somebody behind me and I don't want them knowing where I'm going. Um, but like, it's things like that that I've literally never had to think about wow. as a male while traveling. Yeah, I've never I've never considered that piece of my male privilege. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like one key because I don't, I, I'm gonna throw it away anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly, but I, yeah. get, I, get, I get- Well, you're gonna leave it under your pillow randomly exactly, and lose exactly. it. So. <laughs> I literally, I don't care if I'm there for a night. I could lose two keys within like 
two hours. <laughs> you just have to know yourself and be fine with it. Just be confident. That's it. You lose, you lose it in that little baggie with the waters. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's jump back in, Daryl. Let's jump back in. So here's my question for you, brother, is that, you know, we talk about fear. We talk about confidence, all those kind of things. Uh, I love that we're talking about fear and you talk about how you still check every single crevice of the room before you lay your head down. Um, and, uh, so, but, uh, but for you, is that confidence in all aspects of life or is it primarily in business? For example, is that confidence in friendships? Is that confidence in, uh, in, in romantic relationships? You mentioned that yeah. you have a girlfriend. Um, yeah. Do you see that that does that, does that same, um, that, that, does that same energy um, last through all of those different areas? That's a really good question. So I would say business is there in a way. Um, Cause I think we always, we, we have our days, right. But mm-hmm. I would say that where wouldn't it be? It would probably be, it would probably be in the, in the start of relationships. So when you start, like, I was never the person to like go up to somebody and be like, Hey, how you doing? I was never the like huge poker. <laughs> so the people that I've usually dated in the past were people that were usually like friends first. Like yeah. you, you, you start as friendship and then you kind of like build from there. But I always like in the beginning, I knew that there were going to be more, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm working for it. <laughs> because this is, a, this is a long play right here. Exactly. Because for me, <laughs> what, what, it, what it came down to was the fear of rejection. Right. And that yeah. was huge. So that's the number three fear for most people that I found. But I knew that if we were friends and that if you knew me, then it's easier to kind of like make that move. So I would say that in that relationship drama and that approaching and that like, yo, what's up? How you doing? You know, can I get you like that would be where like I would say I don't have to right now. I don't have to right now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that would be where my um, where I'm not as fearless or as as bold as I as I would like to be. And you call yourself a Kappa. Um, so uh, the uh, um, that's fascinating, brother, because I took a very similar approach as well. Um, and, and for most of my life, I didn't have my first girlfriend until I was 21, uh, until I was 21. Um, and got my first kiss when I was 20. Fun facts here, y'all. Um, and uh, and so for me, up until that point, I, I chose the friend route every time like as in like let me try the friend approach just because i believe that's where good relationships come out of and i still believe that um and uh but for me i was never able to round that corner uh and so the fact that you did is very impressive to me Um, like i'm over here like kevin james for over three quarters of the movie of hitch though you know what i mean like just dreaming about that girl that thought i was funny and thought i was like cool to be around um but not actually anything else you know what i'm saying um and so uh but so i hear you about that insecurity um what was it as far as your as far as like that fear of of rejection why was that such why was it such a big thing for you i don't know um, I would say if I had to give an answer, you just don't want to be turned down. You just don't want to be, um, why was it so big? It's just, it's the rejection is hard because I think sometimes when you, if you would get that rejection and yeah. I think you take it as though there's something wrong with you when it doesn't necessarily mean something is wrong with you. It just means that you're not the right person for that person or that yeah. individual. 
Um, and I think it's just like realizing that, I mean, I have friends, you know, brothers or whatever who like, yo, they can get turned down five times and still be good. Right. They just keep on moving. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, next. <laughs> and you keep it moving. So like, um, I think it's cool. I like, I, I, I admire the gameplay, um, <laughs> but it's just, for me, it's just, it would have to take practice. And if it was something I wanted to tackle, um, then at some point I could, but I'm happy yeah. now. So yeah. Hey. Uh, but yeah, it's just something that like I, I know. And there's books out there. I read books on it and stuff like that, but it's just something that it takes time. It takes time mm-hmm. to learn. But I, I do have that growth mindset where I believe that if I really wanted to tackle it, I could. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I hear I hear you on that for sure. Uh, it was that, and that's why I think in a lot of those situations for me, there's only one or two people that I was ever like, "Do you think we could, you know, maybe like try to see if we could, maybe like, you know, like maybe like um, <laughs> right, you know, crush, yeah. kill them with confidence for sure." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I I hear you. I always had that fear. Like I have a fear of of people not liking me, right? That's a big, that's a big thing of mine. And that's now that's been something that I've, that I've always been working on um, uh, because you're never going to be able to please everybody. So you might as well please yourself in the meantime. And so, but in that process of dating in the process of dating, it was always like, well, I don't want to like ruin what we have in our friendship. And uh, you know, um, (laughs) just always, I would always clam up or, Uh, I would help them with their boyfriends, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I helped. I, I've helped. I think about my college girl, my main college girl. I helped her, and then I, I got her. So I was helping with the purpose. <laughs> I was helping with the purpose. I knew I was. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So within our relationships, is now now that you're how long how long have you been in your relationship? Um, we're about seven January, March, April, May. We just hit six months. Okay, cool, good, yeah. good. Uh, uh, they're watching, so uh, get it right. Um, but uh, I think there is all there's this weird in the, in the beginning of relationships, there's this confidence, right? Cause it's, everything's happy. Everything's go lucky. You like, can't miss, right? You're like, it's like NBA jam. You just it's hit three J's in a row. Um, and you're on fire. You're like, okay, every date is a hit every, whatever. Yeah. Right? It's a romantic, it's fire. Um, and I think that, uh, I think the honeymoon phase can last for a very long time. I don't think you have to leave it. I think a lot of people think they should leave it or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think it's a place that you can choose to stay and certainly choose to visit throughout your relationship. Um, but, there is still some fear. I know that I have, and I'm wondering if you if you have it. If not, that's fine. Um, but uh, but th- I think there is still some fear that I have that like I still need to work at this. Like I need yeah. to work to con- to keep convincing you to love me, to keep yeah. convincing you that like that you made a good choice. Like it's like it's not just taking it for granted of like, you know, I'm, I'm not an investment bank and you just gave me your money. Be like, we're fine. Let's check in once a year. Right. Yeah. Like, no, it's like, I want, I want to keep checking in and letting you know that, that we're good. How you doing? How you feeling? Um, how do you think you are at that aspect? Is that something you've thought about at all? Or you, maybe y'all are still. Yo, I think that, that I think about that often. So, so, so for me, it comes down to number one, um, just getting better with every relationship and improving. So not making the same mistakes. Yep. And the big thing that I focus on in business and life in general is I think every generation of a family should do better. 
Mm-hmm. So you should improve. You should improve upon what you've seen. So when I look at me, my parents' relationships, when I look at other other relationships that I've seen from other older couples is either I want to emulate that or I want to be able to improve upon what I saw. Mm. So when I look at maybe my parents' relationship and say, well, they did this really, really well, but there's this piece right here that I would like to do better on. So then I look at that and be able to approve upon those things. So that's the big thing in my head as well. How can I make sure that I'm able to approve upon those things and to actually be very, very, I would say, um, intentional. So for me, I know that when I'm on a road, when I'm doing a lot of things, I can easily get like into what I'm doing. So it's those like daily messages like, hey, just thinking about you. So when I think about them, instead of just thinking about in my head, it's like, yo, you shoot the message and say, I'm just thinking about you. Or, hey, you're cute. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, those, yeah. Those, those little messages that let the person know. And, and be in, in, in the past, I wouldn't have done those type of things. But I feel like with every relationship, I get better. Um, and that's that's why I love life, man. I love life because you, you get to improve and you get to, um, yeah, just, just get better overall. Yeah. All those past mistakes, those past failures. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Where's yeah. your optimism come from, Daryl? Uh, ah. <laughs> Good question. I would say it would have to be, yo, the books that I'm reading, the videos that I'm watching, like I'm a YouTube, like, yo, like I'll type motivation YouTube in a moment. Like I'll, I'll find an audio book. And I, I'm also very, 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 very passionate about the fact that you have to be careful. The people that you give your time to like around you. Um, I believe that um, I, one chapter in my upcoming book that I, I named it was like, uh friendships and stuff is like COVID or friendship is like a disease right where like because the people you spend on your time around like you you capture some of their mindsets if you hang around certain people in general your friends in general you'll pick up some of the words that they use you'll pick up some of the lingo so I literally 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 are very very clear about those people that I let into my space um because they literally have a huge huge impact on what I think about myself literally um and where I go. So I think it's, it's huge. The people you spend around time are huge, huge, huge. Hands down. Hands down. Hands your down. network defines your net worth. Let's get you, it. Your network to find your net worth. There we go. There we go. I was had to figure out what that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, so uh, I love that, brother. Um, I, think, I, I think it's interesting because a lot of people absorb a lot of media, right? Like we're obviously we're on social media, we're absorbing different posts, different things. A lot of people are reading books. A lot of people are, uh, you know, watching television shows, documentaries, whatever. Like we're we're talking to gurus and whatnot. Um, but not everybody, not everybody takes that stuff to heart and then immediately into practice. Yeah. Right. Um, but you have made the choice to do that. Where did that discipline, when did you, have you always been that disciplined um, and, or, or is it something that you have developed? Because I think it takes, there's a matter of integrity and a matter of discipline to be like, I'm going to read this because I'm going to let it change me. Not just, I'm going to read this and then like, eh, you know, yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, right. But like, the intent at which you do things. You mentioned a number of times, like, you know, I've read this book, I've yeah. watched this podcast, I watched these videos, and that helped me do X. Yeah. Um, when did you, I don't even know exactly how to ask this question, but like, how did you develop that discipline? Was it something you always had, or is it something you've had to work at? So uh, it's definitely something that I'm constantly working at. I mean, there's people who know that I will, I'll put something out there 
and like I put it out there to get like what people think and like what their ideas about it. Now, this is the things I never do. So I have a book somewhere. Um, I said like two years ago, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Harvard and get my PhD. And I told all my friends and I got like a book for GRE and all that other stuff. And I never did it. Right. But for me, I find myself putting things out there because I just believe in the power of words, especially when you have a good group around you to be able yeah. to put it out there and be able to get that encouragement. Um, something I wanted to say, uh, I always lose my train of thought and this some part of the interview um <laughs> talk about discipline how do you what, how do you keep oh, discipline, discipline discipline um something that helps me is i take in a lot of information from a lot of different sources i mean we get instagram we get books we get whatever mm-hmm. something that i realized for me and my personal self is that when i hear things multiple times that's when i take effect that's when i actually take it in so if i'm reading a book and james says hey oh the book says you need to do live events then i'm having dinner with james and what's well, what's her name? The woman, the nice woman who works with you, Laura. Laura and Laura says you need to do live events with this. And then I talk to her and say you need to do live events. And therefore, I'm like, all right, I need to do live events. So there's a, there's a thing that says like that God or whatever you believe in starts with like pebbles, right? He starts yeah. with pebbles, and then he starts with rocks. And the goal is to never get to the boulder. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll never get to the boulder. So for me, I've taken a lot of information, and then when I hear things multiple times, that's feedback based on who I am what I'm about, that's feedback based on things I need to do, that's when I really take it in. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just trying to take in as much information as possible and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. <clears throat> I uh, I admire that uh, in you for sure. And I'm stubborn. Uh, I'm stubborn too. So that's why I'm saying I have to hear it multiple times sometimes. People are like, yo, you need to write this book. You need to write this book. And right. then the fifth time I'm like, okay, maybe I'll actually get this done. Yeah, because we've all we all know those people that you say one thing and all of a sudden they're out like they're off like a rocket. Yeah, because um, they were just looking for something, any sort of direction, um, but ne- well, it may not even be right for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, Daryl. It's such a damn pleasure to talk to you, brother. Done. Uh, I, I appreciate you, man. We're, we're going to hang out. We're going to have some people ask some questions. Uh, if people have questions for Daryl, I would love for you to throw those in the chat. Um, and, uh, and, and and please do so we can we can talk. If you got questions about fear, if you got questions about his upcoming book, if you got questions about discipline, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure Daryl's got some, some book recommendations for you as well. If you want to hear some of those book recommendations, make sure you ask uh, – ask us because i don't want him to just you know give information that you don't want um but uh (laughs) so yeah put those in the chat um but for those of you that are listening right now on the podcast thank you so much for listening i hope that you'll like it i hope that you'll that you'll subscribe that you'll uh you'll download a bunch of episodes and keep uh reviewing the podcast as well we need those um and uh as always if you'd like to hear the q a make sure that you go to my youtube channel type in james robolata on youtube it'll come up uh and, uh, and check it out so you can listen to the Q&A uh, for Daryl Bellamy. Thanks so much for listening, podcast. Folks, y'all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, 
While we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.